Welcome to Wikistrat's line of geopolitical podcasts, where we discuss current global events and unfolding developments in the international arena. This is Dr. Rebecca Malloy, the director of Wikistrat's Middle East community. And for this episode, I am absolutely honored to be joined by Dr. Neil Quilliam, a leading voice on the Arab Gulf states, Syria and Jordan, and a deep knowledge, with a deep knowledge in and experience of the MENA region. We have a simple, easy format that we're gonna follow. We've got an intro where we outline the forces at play, analysis, and foresight, looking ahead and delineating some of the uh, possible scenarios for progression. For the current topic on the shifts in the Middle East, Gulf reconciliation and Israeli GCC relations, I'm gonna hand over the mic to Dr. Quilliam. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rebecca. It's, um, it's, it's great to be on this uh, podcast and uh, very happy to, to talk about these shifts in the Middle East. It's always a little scary when someone describes you as an expert and having deep knowledge. I think we all have to have some modesty when it comes to the region, especially because it does throw up some surprises and things that, that we never anticipated. So I think we're all we're always scholars of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So today I'd, I'd like to really talk about sort of Saudi-UAE relations, but through the prism of Israel, which probably isn't a regular prism through which one would look at these two states, but I really just want to sort of touch upon the, the status of the relationship perhaps over the past few years, look at it where it is now, and then think ahead and at the same time sort of talk a little bit about the you know, Gulf reconciliation and where, where that's tending. So I guess our three key players really are you know, Saudi, Emirates and Israel. And I want to just sort of tease a little bit on, on the Saudi-Emirati relationship. I mean, it's sort of well-documented that you know, the relationship over the past few years had, I would say probably until about six or seven months ago, been growing and been strengthening. Mohammed bin Zayed, of course, who was, if not instrumental, but certainly very happy that Mohammed bin Salman you know, rose to prominence and displaced Mohammed bin Nayef as crown prince. MBZ, as, as, as we call him, of course, was, was delighted with that. And it really sort of allowed him to advance his relationship with Saudi Arabia and for a period of time, at least, I would say sort of put his proverbial arm around MBS and say, now, listen, young man, you know, you may be sort of about to inherit this huge state in the region, the size of Western Europe, but you're young and inexperienced. And I want to show you the ways. I want to show you the ways of the world. And for a large part of the last few years, Zed was quite successful, I guess, in sort of pulling MBS alongside and sort of sharing this vision of the region. And that vision actually really has been sort of described by a lot of us analysts and and certainly one or two others from Chatham House are sort of mapping out an alliance of of strong states across the region. Strong states where you have prominent militaries, you have a sort of secular in in a polity sense view of the world as opposed to a sort of counter alliance of states led or drawn that draws together, you know, Qatar, Iran, 
and Turkey, not as an alliance that's far too strong, but where they have a confluence of interests. So you could, you could, you could argue two different axes, perhaps, again, a very strong term of states that see political Islam as an integral part of the region and the other sort of axis are seeing a sort of more secular polity point of view. And this, I would say, was largely part of sort of MBZ's vision for the region. And he sort of pulled the young crown prince along with him. And they sort of walked down the path for some time. But as, as many of us sort of looking at that dynamic thought, well, there's going to come a point when, when it's going to go a little bit awry. Number one, obviously, Saudi Arabia is a huge regional state, and it's not really going to hitch its wagon to the Emirates for, for, for a long period of time. But also, there will come a point when MBS just thinks, well, actually, you know, I am my own man. I do have my own vision, whatever that might be, and take your arm from around my shoulders. I'm going to go my own way. And I'd say we were pretty much at that stage now in the relationship. We've seen the relationship sort of uncouple a little bit. It, there's a divergence on Yemen, of course. We, we can see that's, you know, that's that's been key. We can see that MBZ has been <laughs> unhappy with the sort of litany of MBS foreign policy disasters. We don't need to list them all now, but we can see them all sort of laid out. And I guess what we can see is that no longer has the place, places his confidence or trust or faith in, in MBS. He sees MBS as being a bit of a loose cannon, someone who's made far too many missteps. And MBZ, by and large, like him or loathe him, does seem to be quite a strategic, rational player and doesn't want to be seen or working with you know, a young, irrational player next door. We've seen a little bit of these tensions sort of playing out in OPEC, at, at the last joint ministerial meeting just before December, the UAE made it perfectly clear that it wants to lift its production capacity from well, 3 million up to 5 million. It doesn't want to play ball on the production quotas and on exports, and it's willing to go its own way and even actually leave OPEC, which I think is significant and profound. But it's indicative that it was unwilling to take the sort of, you know, the Saudi-driven OPEC policy in its entirety. So we see these stresses and strains in the relationship already starting to play out. Then we have two other elements or factors. Saudi for, you know, the past year has wanted to take steps towards reconciling with Qatar. That was, that was made very clear to me and one of my Chatham House colleagues a year ago that they wanted to reconcile, they wanted to address you know, the, you know, the dispute, not in its entirety, not down to the 13 demands, but they could see that you know, there would be a change in, well, there would be a new administration coming in as, we, as we've seen yesterday, whether, whether that was gonna be a Trump two or whether that was gonna be a Biden administration, like sort of unified GCC would be a much better tool or vehicle for confronting Iran. So the Saudis, you know, took those steps. It took them a year because the Emiratis, you know, kept sort of dragging, dragging their heels, but they were very intent on reconciling with Qatar. And of course, the Kuwaitis played an instrumental role in, in facilitating that. The Emiratis did not want that reconciliation 
to go ahead, but they just there was nothing they could do. Saudi is a big player; they have to, they had to conform. But at the same time, on on the other side of the equation, of course, you know, the UAE and Bahrain normalized relations with uh, with Israel and have you know, established full diplomatic relations. So now you've got a, a slight kind of cleavage within the GCC, where you've got a, a closer reconciliation between the Saudis and the Qataris. And on the Emirati side, you've got full diplomatic relations with Israel. This this looks like a, a new world or a, a new space that's that's opening up. So those are the kind of key players. I guess the question that that we're asked a lot, and the one that we really think about is, you know, how do the Emiratis, you know, view the region now that they've had this, you know, break? Not not a complete break. Obviously, they've got good relations with the Saudis and all sorts of plus points, but it's but it's not quite as probably MBZ envisaged. And you've now got the relationship with Israel. And on the other side, you know, you've got you've got the Saudis not sidling up, not fully reconciling with Qatar, but certainly you know, tending to tending towards that and wanting to see that sort of rift heal, not for the sake of the rift itself, but so it can better position itself and align itself more closely to this new Biden administration in preparation for you know continuing confrontation or its competition with Iran. Then we come into where does sort of Israel sit within this frame? UAE has its relationship. And we know that MBS would love to have that relationship too. It's not going to happen while Salman is king. That I think is a step too far for MBS. And, you know, we've seen on different occasions that Salman seems to have sort of, you know, whilst he's whilst MBS has been sort of running ahead. He's been sort of pulled back on the reins a little bit. There have been a few occasions when Salman seems to have stepped into the frame and said, that's, you know, that's not going to happen on my watch. But, you know, I had this sort of vision of MBS sat in, in Neom trying to look over, you know, look ahead and look over the borders, looking into Israel, thinking, well, actually, I want to have what MBZ has. I want to have that relationship. That's key and that's instrumental. And that's how I kind of see the vision for the region. So you've got MBZ with the relationship. You've got MBS wanting to have that relationship. This really puts sort of Israel right at the center of things, right at the heart of things, which is a new, it's a new place for it to find itself. Mm-hmm. It does form part of the MBZ vision, I think, to have that strong, dependable relationship. And I think what's striking probably for all of us is how quickly that relationship has moved you know, from a standing start, it's advanced very, very quickly. Nothing like the Jordan-Israel relationship post-treaty or Egypt relationship post-treaty. So MBZ really does have this view that Israel is an integral part of the region for itself. And that, you know, that that's predicated against an assumption that the US is long-term withdrawing. It's an irrevocable withdraw from the from the region whether that happens in the next few years or not but it is preparing and that relationship is key and instrumental for defense for technology for investment for tying the also the economies together to confront and face iran and saudi very much wants to be part of that 
Now, the question would be is, you know, when is that going to happen? When, when can MBS, so post-Salman, I guess we say, when can it take that relationship forward? The trial balloons have already been floated. I think there was little, there has been little resistance recorded, we'll say, in, in the Emirates and, and some less in, in, in Bahrain. Maybe the populations are far too small to register that, and maybe they are, you know, very strongly guarded states. So expressions of dissent really sort of bubble through. But MBS might be taking heart from that. And I think, you know, once he becomes king, he will want to walk into that relationship with Israel, and we will see a full-term relationship, full diplomatic relations established. But then what does that mean? So sort of looking ahead, what would what would that mean for the region and what would that mean for the Saudis and the Emiratis? Suddenly you might have Israel, which has obviously sort of been inside the region but considered to be an outsider, finding itself sort of at the center of attention. Suddenly the Emiratis wanting to get close, or they are close, but the Saudis wanting to draw close, and then you suddenly have this competition between MBZ and MBS wanting to get really, really close to Israel and Israel finding itself suddenly going from one state or one position it's found itself in you know, since its inception to suddenly sort of not having to choose, but really having to balance out that you know, relationship between those two states that are competing for its interest. And I think that's something that perhaps we're not thinking about at the moment, but understanding, I would say from, from Israel's point of view in particular, you know, where does its real interests or long-term interests lie? You know, is it is it with MBZ or his successor, you know, in, in Abu Dhabi, or is it with that huge neighbor, Saudi Arabia, which is really the geographical giant in the region? It's going to be a hard choice, but I think Israel will actually find itself in quite a comfortable position. Almost impossible to imagine a few years ago. And as I say it, you know, it seems like something very strange to envisage. But if one sort of plays out that that Saudi Emirati, you know, relationship in one's mind, where they've come from, where they are currently, and where they might go, I could see that coming into being. A little bit strange now, but it will be nice to look back in maybe five years' time and see whether that's right or wrong. Thank you. Very, very fascinating. I, what, so what I'm, I'm, I'm finding, the, the way you presented it, I feel like Israel, you're saying that Israel will find itself at the center. And, and it's funny to, to say it um, that way, because I find that they were always at the center, even though from a completely different perspective, the, of course, yes. the, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, they were always at the center, but yet on the margin. And yet now this like coming into being of Israel at the center from a completely different perspective. And of course, we're all expecting this to somehow impact the Arab-Israeli conflict. I mean, personally, I'm hoping that it would move it, period, (laughs) and a track toward a two-state solution. So when Israel, when you're saying Israel will find themselves at the center, I I think what what you were saying was it it would both be in terms of security issues vis-a-vis Iran, 
as well yeah. as economic development. And I think those would be, those are the two, you know, major considerations for Israel, as would be, I think, for Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I mean, is that the relations with Israel are, are they moving? What is motivating them mostly? What do you think weighs heavier, security or economic development? Or is it is it both and they're intertwined? Because, you know, I mean, I don't know that you can really ultimately separate the two. What, what is your yeah. take on that? No, I, I think it's both. I think, and when we're thinking about security, we have to think of that in, in a broader frame. I mean, it's part of meeting the sort of, you know, the challenge from Iran, of course, but also there's the there's longer term the issue of domestic security, mm-hmm. and you know they really have to make progress on Vision 2030. Yeah, and you know that is one thing that MBS got or understood. I think you know when he came to the to the fore that they really they really need development because otherwise, I mean the you know the, the ruling family mm-hmm. because otherwise they they are going to be you know in a very different set of they're going to find themselves in a very different set of circumstances so yes security is is key in terms of meeting the the you know the i guess the immediate threat if you like from from iran mm-hmm. but economic development knowledge know-how from israel will also prove to be i think or they will consider that to be instrumental in helping them push towards development which will serve the long-term security interests of the ruling family. Yeah, agreed. Which of course then pushes towards social change because that will be, that's inevitable. Hand in hand with economic development, you can't have, for instance, half the population not participating in the economy. Um, Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, and I think from MBS, love him or loathe him, or we don't have to be one or the other. I mean, there has to be social change there yeah. has to be significant yeah. change and and i do i do think he buys into that completely mm-hmm. you know he would love to fast track that and i think he would love to, obviously at, at his pace and he doesn't want anybody to get ahead of him otherwise he's going to put right. him in jail but you know, <laughs> i think he sees that you know as as the pathway to that and i think i think he looks at israel and he just thinks wow those guys have just you know they've done so well i want to be part of that and i want them to be part of you know i want them to be part of this as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i do put this down to mbz you know looking at the region and seeing it very very differently to how it's been and thinking to himself that you know he, he and the uae through its alliances through its its own sort of capacities needs to be much more assertive and active in shaping the outcomes of the region and, mm-hmm. and managing and managing it. And I think this is exactly what we're seeing now. And I think MBS, they have their problems, but MBS also sees that and wants to be able to play that role too. Agreed. Fascinating. Well, thank you so very much. Thank you all for listening and I hope to see you in the next episode. Thank you, Dr. Krillian. You're welcome. Thank you very much.